Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am once again joined by Frank Burton. Now for any long-term listeners, you'll know that Frank has been a guest on the podcast before, on episode 34, I believe, um, where he spoke about his epilepsy. Um, well, in this episode, we don't talk about that at all, essentially, um, but what we do talk about is one of his books, because Frank not only hosts a podcast called The Ragbag Podcast, which I implore everyone to go check out, and he is also a father, so he's a family man, and he also has two books out, so he's a very, very busy guy. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking about his second book, as well as a lot of the things that go along with it, including writing process and that sort of thing. Now to confirm, you don't have to read the book to um, enjoy this podcast. We specifically made it so it's kind of like if you've read the book, it can make the book a bit better. It can add a few things to the book, knowing what some of the inspiration was, his sort of ideas behind a lot of it and things like that. Um, but also, if you haven't read the book, it's quite a good advert for it in a sense you know it's very interesting hearing someone talk about you know their writing process what their inspirations were um a lot of the thought experiments that the book delves into um the idea of solitude um the world itself of 100 which is the name of the novel um the world that it's set in is a very interesting world as well um we also talk about sort of what milking a series is and we use examples of like star wars and doctor who and we talk about frank's past in storytelling and loads of other stuff and that, that i've just spoken about that's only in part one which is obviously this week next week will be part two now, Frank has released his book, both like on a Kindle version, so ebooks, things like that, as well as you can buy a physical copy of the book from, I believe, Amazon. Um, but he's also released a audiobook version for free on Bandcamp. Now, it is a name your own price if you want to download it, but there is no imperative to pay a certain amount. I would implore anyone to go check it out and pay money because I think it's fantastic and he deserves money for the sort of work that he's done. But if you're a bit on the fence, you know, just go check it out on Bandcamp in the link I've provided in the description and see what you think. You know, see if you feel like it deserves money or if you just want to listen to it in a enjoy it i'm sure frank will be incredibly appreciative of people just generally listening to it and money on top of that would be cherry on the cake just before we get started i've got a promo for witch murderer which is another member of the brit pod scene you know uh frank's ragbag podcast is also a member of the brit pod scene as is genuine chit chat as is witch murderer so it's a nice little sort of uh trifecta of british uh podcasting in different genres as well you know ragbag is more sort of comedy and music related witch murderer is true crime and mine is you know conversational mismatch and whoever I find interesting I just talk to them so a bit less uh, talented I guess a bit less skill required to do what I do than what um Gemma and Holly do a uh, uh, witch murderer and what Frank does but you know check out all three podcasts and do yourself a favor anyway I'm gonna stop rambling now um so I'll be back at the end to talk about future projects and what's coming up in the next episode blah 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 uh be sure to like and subscribe in all the usual places share with your friends etc etc you know the deal uh, I hope you guys all have a great day and I'll talk to you at the end of the podcast Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Gemma. And together we are the co-hosts of the podcast Witch Murderer. Each week we discuss two murders and we try and focus more on the victim's perspective. Oh my god, that's not who I thought was going to die. Let's <laughs> just blame it all on Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm just math stumps me at every turn, <laughs> even in dismemberment. We all know she was cut in half. He had projectile pooped. Oh no! The entire room. Planet. Will they ever get along? God damn it. Fucking get along, eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> you're gonna make so many enemies and I love it. How many times do I have to say, if you're gonna murder people, don't keep a don't fucking keep a diary. diary? Don't keep a diary. I really didn't want to be frozen to death. When Ten. were you born, honey? No, I'm not telling you. I don't like the thought of somebody who's selling ice cream being that angry inside. And then we have ourselves a little debate at the end about which murderer we would want to kill us if we had to choose. 
If we had to choose. It's a game of which would you rather. Exactly. And if you fancy playing that along with us, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, you can also listen to us on Audioboom and our website, witchmurderer.com. And you can always get in contact with us at Twitter and Instagram at witchmurderer and also witchmurderer at gmail.com. So hopefully you'll be listening to us soon. Bye. Goodbye. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. There we go then. So uh, today I'm joined once again by a man who shares my last name, <laughs> Frank Burton. Or rather, I share your last name because you're older than I am. So <laughs> um, I, I, the... I can't claim to be the first person to have this last name. So oh, I, I took it from somebody else, from my parents, actually. Oh, that's disappointing. I was hoping you'd be the first Burton on the planet, but no <laughs> such luck. But um, you are a novelist, um, and you're a podcaster, and you have a family as well. And you've obviously been a guest on this podcast before, which is the top priority out of all those, being a guest on Genuine Chit Chat, oh, Trump's yeah. family, everything, of course. And... Um, Obviously, everyone should. I'll link to the last uh, episode you're on and talk about sort of your um, your epilepsy and that sort of thing as well, which is an incredibly interesting uh, episode. I implore everyone to go back and listen to that. But in this chat, we, I want to talk, or we want to talk, um, also about your recent book. Um, so I thought I'd. It's called obviously 100, and I listened to it because you've got the audio book online as well. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So I didn't know if you wanted to kind of introduce the blurb and um, yourself a little bit. Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, thank you for saying it's fantastic, by the way. Um, I, I love I, it. I, really, really good. I've been recommending it to people, genuinely. Excellent. Well, that, that's that's good. Yeah, so it's um, it's a slightly unusual premise in that it's, uh, it's like, like you say, it's called 100. It's a series of interconnected stories. Um, there's 100 chapters. The, the actual working title of it was 100 Stories. And um, I changed the title to 100 because uh, 100 stories sounds like it's 100 stories that are separate thing. And it sounds like a short story collection, whereas um, this they're all set in the same place. They're set in this fictional city called the Dirty City and they're set primarily in this tower block. And the tower block has 100 stories. And uh, there's a character who lives in the tower block called Lester who writes uh, or composes 100 stories a day. And um, so you get to hear a lot of Lester's stories. You get to hear stories about Lester's life and they're all become sort of intertwined with each other. And um, yeah, so there's uh, quite a lot of different things going on, really. Yeah, I mean... One thing before I, um, you know, when you uh, reached out to me and we uh, spoke about, because we spoke on the last podcast, or at least uh, when we were recording the last podcast about you uh, doing another book, because you had a book of short stories, um, which we were talking about before the, we started recording, um, which was The History of Sarcasm. And you said that was released about 10 years ago. Um, but with me, um, I've read short stories in the past before, like Anthony Horowitz, um, he had a few. And I was never that into short stories because I quite like longevity and things being interconnected. Like I love Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and these sort of things where they're self-referencing. So when you mentioned about being short stories, I I was a bit apprehensive. I was like, I'm going to give it a go because open-mindedness and obviously I want to chat about the book. And then as you listen to it, you realize, I mean, how you managed to write it, we'll get into that in a moment, but it's brilliant because 
each chapter is a different length and things. So some of the chapters, obviously 100 chapters when I listen to it, some chapters are like a minute and a half long, but others are like eight minutes long. So it does vary. But, it, you know, it starts off where, oh, each thing is kind of individual. And then one references one of the earlier ones. And then it kind of slowly over time, one realizes that it's not necessarily like, as you said, the reason you named it that way. It's not a hundred stories. It's like, it's a hundred almost chapters, but the chapters aren't necessarily from the same book, but they are about the same characters and same universe. And I just think you've created this world where each chapter is basically an insight into one aspect of this world. And I think the way it all interconnects, especially by the end, is is done so well that I'm just how how did you plan it? Like, did you did you have like the biggest mind map ever or something? Because I just wrapping my head around that it was mental. No, no, it probably would have helped to have some kind of mind map going on there, but it was all just sort of uh, ideas floating around, really. And um, I, it kind of just developed um, organically. Uh, as I say, it was originally going to be a series of standalone short stories. I was going to write 100 of them. It's, it's, it was almost like a little challenge that I was setting for myself. Okay, I can write a short story. How about you write 100 of them? How how do you like how do you like them apples, mate? You know, try that. So I, I thought I'd try that. You know, uh, all short ones, and um, you know, it just sort of developed uh, into um, the the city that they were set in emerged at some point. Um, the building that they were set in kind of uh, it just seemed like a good idea to have them all set in the same place, and then recurring characters. Once you've come up with a character, once you know. Speaking just from my point of view, once I've come up with a character that I like, I don't just want to limit that character to one story. I'd like to explore that character a bit more and see, you know, put them in a different situation, see how they respond to that situation. And mm. um, that's that's just how it kind of developed. It's kind of developed naturally. Um, I stuck with the concept of having a hundred of them, and um, that was a that was a nice little motivating factor i suppose in terms of this is this is my goal my goal is to write a hundred of these i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna write a hundred of them and you know in in fairness i wrote more than a hundred and i cut out the ones that i didn't so so i had something to work with you know i cut out the ones that didn't mm. quite fit or didn't quite work or whatever and um yeah i mean i am i'm pleased with the end result i think it's um it's kind of accidentally worked out pretty well i think in terms of my writing process kind of uh, i've been doing it for quite a long time and what i have figured out from my point of view is what works for me as a writer and doesn't necessarily work for other writers because if you read the uh, the writers sort of creative writing handbooks and how-to guides about how to write they say don't do this but it works for me <laughs> make it up as you go along and don't have a plan. Oh, that, wow. <laughs> that, 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 that as, and, and, and for a lot of people, that's rule, rule one is have a plan and don't make it up as you go along. Um, but for me, it just works. If, if I don't have a mm. plan, I make it up as I go along, see how things pan out, you know, um, it works, it works for me. 
you know that's it didn't even seem that way at all when you when you well, i'm going to keep saying for all the listeners obviously you can get a physical copy of the book um or you can listen to the audio uh, version i listen to the audio version so in this i'm not going to keep correcting myself i'm going to say when i listen to the book and i'm going to use all the wrong uh, verbs and things but because i'm going to be using the word book but um when i was listening to it and things i found it it seemed like you had planned it so well. So that's like a kudos to you doing it in that way and it being sort of the best way for you. But it generally, I was listening to the, the book and especially when it got to the end, I was just like, I, I couldn't visualize how you'd planned it. And obviously saying that you haven't, it's almost more overwhelming because it's just like, well, it all works together so well. And what, what I do like is you mentioned about the characters and the characters in the book are especially interesting especially because it's not like you know a lot of books is chapter one this is blank you learn about blank for however long for ages and then you watch blank go into this situation and slowly grow as a character whereas what you've done not only because of time jumps and things but also because you've got characters that show up some intermittently some more regularly than others there's the character um, Lester and I think he's probably the most He's, there's not really necessarily a main character from what I gathered, but he's probably the main, most uh, prevalent character. And the way he interacts with other characters as well, you get like these little stories. You have like one little story that just seems like a cool, like a thought. Uh, what's the term for it? Uh, I've, I've literally dead, dead sight. I've lost the word for uh, for it. When it you a, have a, are you looking for the word vignette by any chance? I've never even heard that word. Oh, okay. So. Well, that's obviously <laughs> no. not the word. <laughs> Who knows? I've lost it now, but I'll. Uh, that's fine. The, it basically just almost like um, you create this idea, and you. It's just a really interesting sort of uh, moral situation, you know. Or uh, there's a, there's a part of the book where some people could not like, read minds and things, and there's some great chapters in there where you know you've got like a relationship and how that would work if you can read each other's minds and lots of other things that I hadn't even considered when it comes to like, mind mind reading, like um, dream reading and things like that. And it's like a little chapter and you just go, oh, that was just a cool chapter about that. And then, you know, 20, 30 chapters down the line, that thing that was mentioned is actually a person who is related to something else that happens and it all just intertwines and things. And when you sat down to to write this book, what I want to ask is, were there, were there certain things, I know you said you made it up as you go along, but were there certain things that really... Uh, you wanted to include def for definite, like a certain sort of like the mind reading thing, for example, or having this dirty city that gets, you know, uh, more and more as, as the story goes and you find out why it's called the dirty city more and more. Like were there certain like pillars you had or was it all just as you go along? Um, it's just kind of like, um, uh, uh, it's a big sort of bag of ideas that I've got in front of me. Let's pull an idea out of the bag and let's play around with that and see where we go. So, the, like you say, we got a few chapters uh, about mind reading. And the idea that I came up with was for a short period in the Dirty City's history, people could read each other's minds. And then they couldn't. <laughs> so um, I, I, I haven't explained how this has come about. There's no explanation as to as to how that's come about. And there's no explanation as to why they can't do it anymore. It's just like a weird phenomenon. Let's play around with that. Um, and, um, so, you know, I thought, well, what, what can we do with that? So I had a story about, like say the story about the, the, the couple who can read each other's minds and they've sort of read each other's darkest secrets and like, he wants to leave her because of something that she has done. And then, um, oh no, maybe it's the other way around. I can't remember. But, um, anyway, and, um, also, 
yeah the um and, and that's how i uh just from playing around with that idea i came up with the idea of the uh the slumber fairy who was the um the uh the girl who breaks into people's houses to read their dreams because she's interested in reading people's dreams so she doesn't steal anything she's just interested in collecting all these dreams from people and that uh that character then became one of the principal characters um because i quite liked uh the character that i wrote that story about it was just going to be like a one-off story um you know because i was just playing around with that idea but um then i thought this is a good character let's see what we can do with this character so let's play around with this character and um she became kind of the uh, the other central character so i sort of um the like you're saying lester's kind of the the you could call him the central character and uh eliza who is the name that I gave to the slumber fairy character um she becomes like just as important as uh, as lester is and uh, the sort of the second half of the novel is kind of uh the the kind of story arc of the second half of the novel is all about eliza trying to kind of uh, find her way in the world type thing and um yeah, so it kind of grew organically from from an idea that I was playing around with, really. Yeah, it's it's really it works really well. And why um, what I really like about it is that the characters interacting with each other specifically that it's you know there's a lot of stories and things and a lot of people uh, do stuff online. I think it's called shipping, which is um, you know when you have two characters from a certain universe and they just for whatever reason don't interact on the screen and everyone's like oh i really want them to interact and stuff and i did have that with a couple of the characters um sort of the world's oldest man you know uh, he was quite he was just in one story and i was just like well that story was interesting enough to just be him being the world's oldest man and then he's in it from that point sprinkled a bit more and the interactions he has with a lot of the characters and things and um i wanted to ask you as well um what was his name um uh, Defo Trezor was yes. that was that name because did you take that name because you like Nine Inch Nails or something like that or was it just a name that came out of nowhere um, and just sounds like a rock name? No, no. Um, Trezor is a like a it was I don't know if it still is but like a, a like a German techno label. Um, mm. it, um, and Defo I don't know where I got that from but it kind of fit with the surname. Um, but mm. he, 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 was, he was supposed to be kind of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, I don't know much about Trent Reznor, but you know, it's kind of a Trent Reznor slash Nick Cave slash, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of, um, elusive enigmatic rock musician character. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, he, he sort of, um, became one of my favorite characters as well, uh, just from the idea that, um, he's uh is uh reclusive to the point of not wanting people to look at him so he performs uh his rock concerts from inside a box and nobody knows what he looks like and then he decides to just disappear because he doesn't want anybody to um you know and um yeah it's kind of um the, the, there's a whole theme really throughout the book i, I think of uh wanting to be on your own and being happy being on your own and the joys of solitude and um the thing about the joys of solitude i suppose is that it's that is something that i wanted to write about because often or i suppose usually when people write on the subject of solitude it's about 
it's very negative. It's kind of about loneliness and isolation, all that sort of thing. Whereas all the characters in the novel 100 are happy being on their own and they prefer things that way. And uh, Defo Trace is one of those characters. Lester is one of those characters. He's basically just uh, spends all of his time on his own thinking up stories and that's what makes him happy. And he's happy with his life that way. Mm, yeah, that, there is that aspect of it. And it is quite interesting with... with uh, What I like about it is... All of your characters, they're, they're, they are different enough, but it also there's so many themes that it runs through. I mean, obviously there's the, with Defo Trezor, it's, you know, the, the rock and roll band who is kind of, it seems like kind of a gimmick, him always being in a box, but then you find out more about him as a character and he genuinely really does want to do that. And then, you know, you've got Eliza, the slumber fairy who, you know, meets up with um, Lester and they have like a sort of a connection in some way, but they're quite like, you know, Lester likes being alone, but he doesn't he likes being almost alone with Eliza and they have like this comfortable silence and there's all these things where you kind of you bring up subjects that I wouldn't say a taboo necessarily that sounds too strong but kind of not the the central main thing a lot of people uh, either think of or necessarily identify with on every level but everyone can understand all these aspects and like I'm not a person who wants to be alone all the time but I can really understand why and then you get that feel that all the characters i mean even some of the characters like i wouldn't say any of them are air quotes bad but the the most probably morally bankrupt one is um, the politician jeremy mercer and he even what he's saying like a lot of the things that he actually says even though he's you know clearly meant to be a bit of a douche in it he's some of the things he says are, is very true and very clever and I, I just think that all of your characters that you've made are really really interesting and, and you obviously say that defo trazer was like one of your favorites is the um, are there any really, really small characters that you just, you almost you wish you used a bit more or did you manage to use everyone as much as you wanted? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, because there are, there are a, lo- a lot of kind of walk-on parts, I suppose, um, who, uh, you know, I, I could have done more with. Um, there's, um, yeah, I mean, th- there's, uh, there's a character who does um, kind of, I, I, could, I couldn't do any more with him, though, because... Um, that there wasn't anything more that he could do. Um, um, he he does these uh, city uh, tours that they call they call the 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 ghosts of building tours, and it's kind of like a, a ghost tour but for buildings. So he just um, takes people on this tour and tell uh, tells them about uh, buildings that have fallen down and the the ghost is here and this is the story of the building. Um, it would have been nice to kind of do more with him. Um, but once I've got his stories about the ghost of buildings out of the way, I couldn't really think of anything else to do with him. Um, <laughs> but but kind of uh, you know he he's is is very much in keeping with the theme of the book as well in terms of um, kind of the uh, the joys of solitude theme. In that when nobody turns up for his tour, he just does the tour anyway. So he'll <laughs> he'll, he'll just walk the streets talking to himself, saying, "Here's this building. Here's the story of this building," and it doesn't bother him that there's nobody listening to him because he's happy just doing that tour by himself. Mm. It is brilliant. And I do love how yeah, the world opens up. I was getting genuinely invested in the world. And one thing I was thinking was, um, obviously, I hope this book gets read by as many people as possible and you become wildly famous and rich beyond your wildest dreams for this book. Um, <laughs> as fingers crossed, that will happen. But I think this 
the book itself would work. I mean, I implore, as I say, everyone to go um, check it out, especially because if people haven't got any money, they can go on Bandcamp and you have a sort of uh, name your price sort of thing as well, um, which I really like. And one thing about the book is I found the whole time I was listening to it was it would make such a good series, like a Netflix show or something like that. Because I was thinking Mm. like, you know, there's shows like Black Mirror, which are individual episodes and they are only individual. They don't link with anything else. So there is already that. And there's another one called, I think it's called Easy. And that's like that as well, where they are just short stories. And I I was thinking about how it would actually work with your book and how uh, you'd have it you'd have like an episode and that would be like several chapters of just random little one-off things. And people would watch one episode and go, oh, that was cool, nifty, a couple of little things in there that I hadn't thought of. And then you watch the second one and then one or two characters would just pop up again, but not necessarily chronologically afterwards. And I just think as it would unravel with the right director and people producing it and things like that, and obviously yourself being involved, it could make, I think it could make a series that would be so... Uh, appealing to so many people and obviously it being a book it, it's appealing enough if anyone listens to this podcast there's no reason they shouldn't go listen to the book but it's I was really as it was going on I was getting like excited because I used to listen to it on my uh, drive to and from work and I was just like I really hope this character comes up again because I really like this person I just want to see if anything more happens with them so what was your sort of uh, when you're writing it what's, what's, what's your favourite is there a favourite part of the book I mean we, we spoke about characters but I just love the whole world of it all. I think it, you've done so well. The clean city, the dirty city, the Jennifer, the buildings that communicate with each other. It's just, you have so many ideas coming out of everywhere. It's it's almost hard to pinpoint one. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a series of stories that are, that kind of land just in the middle of the uh, book, where it's... Uh, like I was um, saying earlier, it's kind of like a, a, a book of two halves. So like the first half is um, kind of a, a series of stories that slowly become more and more interconnected and you get kind of the story arc about Lester and Eliza meeting each other and um, sort of things like that. So you're kind of setting the scene in the first half. And the second half is kind of more geared towards kind of uh, there's a lot of things going on in the second half but um it's kind of geared towards kind of eliza's uh story about her exploration of the world i suppose and um in the middle it's kind of like it's almost like a little interlude in the middle I've, i've got about five or six uh stories about the uh, clean city which is uh a, a city within a city kind of like the central region within um the dirty city so this is where um all all the uh the, the buildings are immaculate and um uh, there's these great works of architecture and things like that and um it's where all the tourists go and the, the tourists kind of fly in they only see what they see in the clean city we don't see all this sort of uh squalor that people are living in outside of the clean city um and it's just uh you know just to do a bit of a spoiler of my own book uh, but it turns (laughs) it kind of uh turns out that the clean city is all just an illusion it's been created that way it's a it's an act of kind of mass hypnosis and really the clean city doesn't really exist it only exists in in people's minds and um Mm. i uh i'm just quite pleased with the way that it was uh the way that those stories kind of unfolded from one to the other and um it had one of the one of the little um another kind of little character who i couldn't do much with because he served a certain purpose and then he had to leave um was the the architect his name's uh fritz deep 
and he's only in mm. he's only in about five or six chapters altogether um but um yeah he's kind of like this genius architect who kind of eventually sort of figures everything out and then he he just has to leave at the end and <laughs> um yeah uh, so i was uh, i was quite pleased with that yeah, well, him as a character as well was brilliant because there's a there's little like arcs within it, um, as you've said. And I like one of the things with um, with Deep where there's just a few chapters about the random buildings he's made, and they're just these really cool uh, sort of concepts, thought experiment. Earlier on the podcast, when I was thinking of what it was, it was thought experiment. That's such an obvious thing to say, God ah. dang it. But um, yeah, but you you bring about so many awesome thought experiments of just like. You know, there's there's like the strawberry, and it's just a it's like a strawberry building, and it's spinning, and then you've got like one side of it, which is the humans talking to each other, saying, "Oh my god, it's genius! How do you do this?" And like how um, deep kind of thought about it. But then one thing that I thought was quite clever that you did was the buildings talk to each other, and they can kind of communicate, you know, by um sort of minor movements almost in the wind and things like that and you don't well like with the mind control thing a lot of the parts of the book you don't go into too much detail and i find that a lot of things get lost trying to over explain things like a lot of stuff i mean i'll use star as an example star wars i love it but when you talk about hyperdrive and things like that they don't try and explain the science because it's fiction it, it, it can't really yes, exist yes. and the more you try and justify it the more people go but that doesn't make sense and pick holes but where you've just gone this happens because it happens so that's it and it's it makes the world always better because people in the world don't know everything we don't know why everything happens and it it makes you feel part of the city it's like oh there's a giant strawberry building why is that because the guy who made it was a bit insane right and why is it spin clearly he's a genius and then you hear from the building's perspective talking to another building and he's like i hate the fact that everyone just thinks this guy's a genius he's an idiot i'm the one who's spinning the whole time and it's just such clever different perspectives and almost there's a few chapters which are almost the same story but from a different person's perspective each time and it it i love it when when stories do that well that's some of my favorite kinds of just the same thing almost but a different uh perspective <clears throat> sorry excuse me so oh god um some of the ideas that you came up with uh in the some of the thought experiments and things i thought a lot of them were very interesting and i wanted to kind of get your opinion on some of them um so i've actually i've made some notes because there's so much to unpack here uh in it one thing was um sort of all photos from life and there's a there's a room which i i hadn't considered it but i think is a very very interesting idea and i think you could almost have a movie just about this room in itself and it's the room that um i think more than one at least one of the characters goes to in um, in the main uh, tower block, Jennifer. And they go in there and it's like, everyone sees something different, but it's like every photo you've ever been in, even ones that you haven't seen. And I really hadn't thought about that. But like when you're out in, you're walking in town or something and then, you know, a, someone takes a selfie and you're just in the background a little bit and it's just every photo you've ever been in. Like, how, how did you think of that? Like, did you think about that sort of thing quite often or did it just come to you one day? Um, well, it was the, that I think was, I can't remember exactly how I thought of it, but I think it was the, the, just applying logic to an idea. So I was kind of, I came up with this character. It was the, the Defo Trezo character who we've talked about. And, um, he wanted to erase every single picture that has ever been taken of him. So he started tracking down everybody's kind of uh, friends and family and everything like that and asking them politely if they can destroy all the pictures of him because he doesn't want pictures of himself to be out uh, available. Um, and 
just applying logic to that situation, I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if somehow he could find every single picture that's ever been taken of him, including ones of the back of his head in the street where a tourist has taken a shot or and or everything like that. And so I came up with the idea of this room, that the, the, a room that exists where you can go in and find every single picture of yourself. And so that's what he does. He goes in there and he he, um, he finds all of these, including, um, you know, shots that have been taken of him by his stalker who comes up later on. I thought, mm. yeah, uh, that that was um, just to just to go into the writing process side of things as well. Um, it, it just um, that's another idea that just while I was writing that story, I thought, what what you know, what kind of pictures would he find in this room? And uh, well, he's famous; he's probably got a stalker. So um, I thought, okay, he's, he finds some pictures taken by his stalker. And then um, so later in the book, I thought, OK, I've come up with this stalker character now. So let's tell his story. You know, so it's one of those things where, um, you know, what one thing, one idea leads on to another idea. Mm. Yeah, I really like that about um, about it. And as I've said before, there are characters just kind of pop up for a second and you're like, oh, that kind of cool. Yeah, nice little character. And then later on, they just pop up again. And it's just it's you're because they're all little short stories you know sometimes there's a story there's one story where i think uh the end of it is like um someone is telling someone else a story and then the story just kind of ends and they're like oh that story ends really quickly and then he's like yeah well sometimes stories don't actually have to end or anything like that and they kind of have a conversation and it kind of almost stops halfway through and there's a completely different chapter and it's a subtle little kind of almost breaking the fourth wall sort of thing of that this story isn't going to finish either but then it does come back to it later on it's it's a lot of these very clever little details that i really like about it and there's certain chapters that are like you know three it's actually one story it's just one after another and then it's just somewhere else suddenly and i thought that was was really clever how you did that and while we're speaking about uh, the writing process how long did it actually take you to to write this book from thinking i'm gonna you know write this book to actually being released how long does it take um, I think probably two years. Um, I would I would guess I was. Um, it, it was. Uh, I should say it was a good few years ago that I, that I did this. I think it was twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. And um, I used to. I was um, working. I was living in Hampshire and working in London at the time. And um, I used to write it on my commute. So most of it was written um, between um, while I was on the train. And um, so I'd I'd have an hour and a half an hour and a half every day, forty five minutes journey each way, and um, possibly that explains why it's written in in these short bursts. <laughs> I've got forty five minutes available now. I'll write a couple of pages, and that's an entire story, you know. <laughs> and um, I'll come back to it later on, and I'll add a little bit more. So. That was that was my process at the time. I was I was doing these commutes, and also it's interesting that I was um, traveling from outside of London to the centre of London, and um, the book is kind of about that journey in a way because it's kind of like about the relationship between the centre of the city and the outside of the city. Um, so. I, I didn't do that consciously, but I think that probably seeped in there somewhere. I was looking out the window and thinking, um, you know, um, this, uh, this uh, you know, little commuter town looks a little bit grim, but in a minute I'm going to see the House of Parliament. 
and there's a bit of a contrast mm. there isn't there you know it's, yeah. <laughs> there's a bit of a um uh you know it's uh, you, you get to see all the different bits of um where it is that you're traveling through um and all that sort of thing so um i think those sort of ideas were kind of seeping into my head as as i was um going through the process of writing the book and mm. um yeah it's kind of um i i and um i had um in terms of the publication history of this i kind of i had an agent who was very enthusiastic about the project and he was it was a great guy as well i mean he was really spot on anything that i showed him he'd immediately know what was good about it and what was bad about it and um you know i definitely he's not my agent anymore but i would recommend him to anyone because um he really helped me out particularly with this project and kind of getting it started because um, the actual seed of the idea was there. And I was talking to him and I was saying, well, I've got this book idea and I've got this other book idea. And, um, you know, he, he said, well, go with the hundred stories one, cause that's much more original, you know? And um, well, I was thinking, well, is that, 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 that's a very refreshing thing for somebody in the publishing industry to say, um, because I, I would have expected him to go with the the one that would probably turn into like a popular sort of because um, it, it was a toss up between writing 100 and writing like something a lot more straightforward and conventional, uh, you know, and uh, and he said, go with the 100 idea because the 100 idea is a, just seems a lot better. Mm, I, I haven't experienced any stories like that. Yeah, well, that's uh, that. That's good. He was right. In <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree with it as well. Speaking of inspiration, is are there any? Obviously, we mentioned um, Defo Trezor and sort of the London central things to the clean and dirty city. Are there any other parts of the book that were kind of inspirations, or even you didn't realize there were inspirations, and in hindsight, it kind of seems that way? Um, any characters that influenced or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one, really, because it was kind of, um, I, I almost kind of wrote it in a, in like a bubble, if you like, because, I mean, I've got a lot of, you know, influences of, you know, writers that I like and music that I like and things like that, you know, films that I like, stuff like that. And, and that's all kind of seeped into my head over the years. But while I was writing the book, I probably spent at, at least 12 months just really being... Um, locked into working on this project and i didn't i don't think i read uh anything during that during during that 12 month period where i was really sort of focusing on writing the book i didn't read any books and i didn't watch the news or anything like that so i was a little bit out of touch in terms of what was going on in the world and i was but I, I was i was kind of doing that deliberately because i wanted to really kind of i didn't want there to be too much outside influence on what i was doing because what i do find sometimes is that like if if i kind of um uh, I, I tend to have like periods where like i'll i'll read a lot and i won't do any writing during that time and then i'll stop reading and i'll do some writing and while i'm writing i, I don't do any reading um, because kind of kind of the things that I read sort of end up seeping too much into the writing that I'm producing, and I I, uh, I I've just got this kind of slight fear of kind of uh, kind of imitating other writers a little bit too much, if you see what I mean. But um, 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, but um, I, I, I think it was, in hindsight, I think it was a very good approach to take because I think this book has turned out to be kind of, uh, you know, like you were saying, it's, it's, it's not like other books, you know, it's kind of, it's got its own kind of, um, it, it's kind of like its own little world and mm. um yeah it's got its own feel kind of uh kind of kind of locking myself away from you know culture and stuff like that while i was writing it was was kind of a you know quite a good technique in hindsight mm, i agree i mean there's people i have quite a few friends who are like musicians for example and a couple of times they've uh, been at band practice or whatever and they've you know started doing a song and then one of the band members or something or the, the person who writes it goes you know what what and it's like this is exactly the same as this song. And then they play it and they go, it's the exact same chords. That's why it sounds so good. So this is an amazing song I think I've written and it's just absolutely brilliant. And it's like, well, no, it's it's actually just another song I've basically completely ripped off without even realising. So it is interesting you doing that, uh, that sort of isolation in a sense of just focusing a lot on and letting yourself in the world because it's a very human book. There's obviously a lot of crazy things that sort of happen in it, but it's not like, you know, aliens invade and then there's this big showdown or anything it is just lots of cool thought um, experiments of you know there's the mind control thing there's the sort of the the pollution and the clean and dirty cities and then the buildings talking to each other and the the chapters about all the different sort of buildings and they almost have different personalities but it's also with with the book as well it's as every chapter can be a different resident of uh, jennifer each resident has got their own little way about them as well and it's i I, i'm i really want you uh, not to try and influence you in any way but i always want you to write another book about the same not not the exact same thing but with so many of the same characters and things or even just like another city somewhere with another set of things because just it's almost like the hundred pieces are all a piece of a jigsaw puzzle Mm -hmm. but when you put all the pieces together, it doesn't make some one big, perfect, complete picture. It, it puts together certain images that are kind of clumped together over this big canvas. And I just find there's so many pockets there where uh, there's so much room for for expansion. It's almost like you could have your own movies about each of the uh, the individual characters, you know? Yes, but then I, I also like the idea of just um, creating a thing and then just leaving it. I like just, mm. uh, you know, just, just having um, having... A, a short burst of an idea and then just going da-da there you go and then mo- <laughs> moving on to another one you see what i mean yeah. because um it's um you know that there's um just using the format that i am using with this book it's kind of like um you can just you can kind of do that you know within the rules of that world or within the rules mm. that i set down for myself while i was writing it I don't need to kind of, um, you know, go on for too long. I can just go, there you go, da-da, let's move on and let's do another, let's do another cool thing now, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things, I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on this as well, because I've had um, discussions with friends, I think off the air, I don't think I've had a discussion about this, is the term of like uh, milking something in a sense, you know. One example of things get milked to an infinite degree is horror films, you know. 
you know, Freddy Krueger's incredibly uh, well known as, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and so is Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. But a lot of people don't realise there's like 10 or 12 films of all of them. There's, you know, yes. four Jaws films. There's there's so many films, especially horror, which just, they get so many. It's basically, oh, this is really great. Now let's make another one that isn't so great. And then let's make another one that's actually kind of bad and just keep doing it until they're so bad that just no one likes them anymore. And it kind of ruins the, the franchise a bit. And a lot of people have been saying that about you know, Star Wars and Marvel and all these sorts of other things so i'd be interested to know what your opinions are on the term sort of milking it like you know some people would say you know star wars milked it after the original three they should never have done more than that and then other people say no they're milking it now because of this and i spoke to someone else about it and they said well milking it was when they started releasing toys of every character and for me in my opinion i think that one's opinion of milking is only when something you like becomes essentially crap and you're not into it anymore and then anything after that point is milking it in a sense but i'd be interested because obviously you're a very creative individual so of your own work in a sense as well as other things you see what was your opinion on milking in a sense um well it's uh it's difficult to um sort of distance yourself artistically from uh the idea if there's if there's money involved, you see what I mean. Mm. If there's uh, if uh, something's making money, then um, from a commercial point of view, then why not just carry on doing that thing? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, you know people like chocolate biscuits, so let's just carry on manufacturing chocolate biscuits, <laughs> and we'll stop when people stop liking chocolate biscuits, we'll stop making them. Mm. You know. And <laughs> whereas um, it, uh, but it's it becomes muddled when um, it's something a little bit more creative than chocolate biscuits. So if it's Star Wars, for example, um, you know, let's carry on making Star Wars until people get bored with Star Wars. But the thing is, like with with those big franchises like the Marvels and the Star Warses and the um, all of that sort of thing, Star Trek and all that. Uh, there's always going to be an audience for them and there's um you know people people are always going to turn up if there's a new star trek film or there's a new star wars film regardless of whether it's good or not (laughs) and uh you know it's not for me to say whether i mean i'm not i'm i'm not a big fan of uh, of most of these uh franchises i mean i was i was a uh my one's Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Because I, I kind of grew, I, I grew up with that, and uh, you know, there's been the the reboot over the last kind of ten years or so, or however long it's been rebooted for. Yeah. And um, you know, it's kind of like I, I gave up on the last series of Doctor Who, not because um, it was a female Doctor. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, uh, I, I felt really angry with myself for that because. Um, uh, there was, uh, I don't know, there was a lot of kind of um, sensationalism in kind of the right-wing press about, oh, it's political correctness gone mad. They've given a man's part to a woman now. Mm. What's going on with the world? Mm. And um, I, I think it's great. that, uh, And I think, you know, Jodie Whittaker was good at playing that part and there's no reason why she shouldn't have played that part. But the show just wasn't as good. <laughs> Um, you know, it's 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 not down to uh, political correctness. It just wasn't 
as good as mm. it's not as good as it used to be yeah it's uh you know um and that's just the way it is mm. but you know if if things if 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 a show has been on for like 40 years or 50 years then it's bound to reach a point <laughs> at some point where it's uh you know just the way it is but i mean there's, there's always going to be an audience for doctor who because there's people people love it mm. you know um and but it's 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 not the fact that people uh, people love um jodie whittaker or that or they love um it, that they love the concept and they love the character of the doctor and they love the the idea of traveling in time mm. and and everything like that so as as long as you don't completely fuck it up <laughs> i mean you'd have to, <laughs> as, as long as you don't you know I I actually think I mean, you know on on that subject I think the reason why I don't like Doctor Who anymore is that the the newer ones that they've made have been more aimed at children mm. which well, it seems to me I don't I don't know what the intent behind it was but it seems to be much more of a the sort of thing that you'd see on children's TV on like CBBC or something mm. and you know it, it's a well-made show it's just it's not designed for a 39 year old man <laughs> and 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 i i think i think that's and i applaud that i really do because the the problem that the doctor who i mean we're going we're getting off topic here no, with the uh i mean all I want. the um the problem with when they brought doctor who back was they had to appeal first of all to children and second of all to people who were in their 30s and 40s and 50s who watched it when they were kids. So you've got you two different audiences there that you're trying to measure up with each other. Mm. Because children don't care about the old show. They di- they mm. didn't see the old show and they don't care whether the new show matches the reality of the old show or whether like you know uh it contradicts what happens in the old show because it's not that that's that's not on their radar. Mm. And I think what they've done with the recent series of Doctor Who is that they they've just made it for kids, uh, which is which was a nice move. I, th- I think um, Ed's probably pissed a lot of people off <laughs> who who um, you know, but I th- I think that that was a ni- nice little direction for them to take it in. Really, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not that you know you can't just carry on watching doctor who for the rest of your life you know that <laughs> <laughs> there's other things there's other things going on let somebody else have it mm. because um it it probably makes it better it because you know i, I think it, it was a problem the fact that they were that they were gearing it towards two different audiences and now it seems to be just geared towards one audience and that audience probably like it a lot more than they would have done mm. Yeah, well, Star Wars, uh, it's, they're both parallel in a lot of ways, Star Wars and Doctor Who. I mean, they're both, you know, two of the Star Wars, Doctor Who and Star Trek are obviously the three that I can think of sort of cornerstones of uh, sci-fi um, that have especially been 
they were quite old and kind of uh, started a lot of things and then they went quiet for a while and then have come back in a big way once all the special effects have got way better and that sort of thing. And, you know, Doctor Who and Star Wars especially, because I'm much more familiar with those two, um, they both did that. And, you know, one of the big critiques of when Star Wars came back in 1999 when Darth Maul and Jar Jar Binks and all that stuff, it, it, they had the same problem. And yes. it was, you know, we're trying to appeal to the old people, the, the old people, the, the people who like Star Wars, so the original trilogy people while also trying to appeal to kids and what they kind of did with a lot of people viewed with the Phantom Menace is neither they made it far too complicated and political for kids to enjoy but they made it way too silly and random for any of the people who originally liked it and it is an interesting perspective of yours saying well it's, it's kind of better for them to kind of hone in on one a little bit more because when you have like different demographics in like teenagers to adults that's quite an easy bridge to kind of fill in in a sense but doing like children to you know middle-aged people in a sense that is they are very very different demographics it's almost polar opposites so it's very difficult to do that so it's a very interesting perspective of yours with um with doctor who but with um staying in line with that i am also interested um i do want to get back to uh 100 but with your upcoming, the, the sci-fi novel that you've written, when can people, is that next year you said that'll be released? And is there any sort of... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, um, my big plan is to release three books over three years. Oh, wow. Um, so 100 being the first one. And um, the science fiction book that I've written, which is all complete, and that's going to, uh, the only reason I'm not bringing it out now is that I want to do three over three years. <laughs> so, and, and I'm focusing on one at a time. So, uh, and it would be slightly odd to release two books at the same time. Mm. Because it's hard enough to promote one of them, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, and also record the audio book, which takes a long time, by the way, people. Yeah, I want to um, hear about that as well. Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, that that will be coming out in like roughly twelve months' time. And, I see. Um, the third the third book is one that I've just started, and it is going to be set in uh, the Ragbag universe, mm. um, which is my podcast. Uh, Ragbag is kind of a, um, uh, you may know it, but it is, I, uh, I play music and I kind of tell stories in character. So I play the character of Frank Burton, uh, who is like the podcast host, and I tell st- fictional stories about my own life. So the um, so the, the third book that I alluded to is going to be the Ragbag novel, which will which, like I say, I've just started now. So, mm. but I'm kind of probably be, I'll probably be uh, kind of intertwine that with the actual podcast. So I might kind of uh, drop little bits of it as I write them into the podcast narrative, mm. and it will uh, it will all work out very nicely. That is very interesting. I mean, you, it's funny as well with that 100. One common theme of it was storytellers. You know, everyone's got a story. There's the police officer who um, speaks with Eliza uh, about many stories. Obviously, the kind of main character, uh, Lester, he is a storyteller. And the funny thing is, is what all these characters have in common is that with you, is that you're a storyteller too. You have a podcast where you <laughs> tell stories on the podcast, that, albeit fictional ones. And then you've also are a novelist. So you've, you know, technically got three books finished because two are released and one is um, going to be a wait till next year and you've got another one coming out I mean you are the storyteller that, that that's the funny thing and with yourself being a storyteller I must ask have you have you always like been interested in in sort of telling stories and hearing stories like in a much more 
uh, verbal way you know like people used to do when we were sat around campfires and we were more hunter gatherers and things you know having the the storyteller of the tribe have you always been into vocal stories and things like you know child and that sort of stuff um yeah yeah i think so yeah i mean it go, goes back to childhood i mean uh my my granddad who passed away many years ago um, but he used to just tell us like bedtime stories of of just like uh off the top of his head you know mm. um so the, these are stories that he knew um or stories that he'd kind of made up sometimes he'd make them up and sometimes there were stories that he knew and he, he was just uh kind of a great kind of traditional storyteller you know it kind of uh felt like there could have been a little campfire there you know and so i, th- I think that kind of uh had, had quite an influence on me uh as a child it's sort of wanting to grow up and be a writer myself and um yeah i've uh i'm just bringing it up to the present day i mean one thing that occurred to me the other day was um kind of one thing that i do in my podcast is that I, i'm i'm doing like a series of like um bonus like episodes where i interview musicians and um yeah it just just from doing that um it really sort of brings it home to me that everyone does have a story to tell and it's always a different story you know mm. um and uh, this is just from me kind of uh you know just contacting people whose music i like and saying do you want to come on my podcast we can have a little talk about yourself and stuff like that and um it, it, whoever it is who comes on always seems to say a different thing to to the previous person you know and everyone's had a different experience everyone's got a different story to tell and mm. uh it's um I'm, I'm sure you found this yourself doing what you do you mm. know, it's, um i definitely have and that's the end of part one thanks as always for tuning in guys um as i said in the intro part two will be released next week at the usual time so that conversation will continue to flourish from there coming up we have got um i believe i'll be releasing after next week obviously being part two i think the week after that i'll be releasing part one of my chat with beth crane of we fix space junk uh, unless anything changes between now and then but i I believe that's what i'm doing Uh, and then after that it will depend on what i've got recorded Um, i was going to be doing a podcast with someone a few days ago but there were some technical difficulties on their end and due to daylight savings and a few other issues there's like a time difference which uh we hadn't anticipated in a sense um it's a bit without just going into details and boring everyone it's basically just we got the times wrong both sides here i was having mic issues we're going to reschedule and do it again so that's fine um i've got i'm hoping to do another science but simple soon i'm hoping to chat with a friend of mine called dan soon um there's one two three four that's five or six other podcasts i've got planned um at the end of april start of may so hopefully i'll have quite a few in the pipeline then but that's about it for me i think um as i always say at the end of these podcasts you know thank you to anyone who listens this far it means the world to me um also if you could you know reviewing and on itunes and that sort of jazz that is always appreciated but also sharing with your friends and things you know this uh, this podcast has a quite a big back catalog so if you're a new listener and you're listening this far just check out some of the other episodes maybe check out episode 34 with frank where he talks about his epilepsy and a little bit sort of scratching the surface about his writing but he also goes into more detail about his podcast there so episode 30 for maybe you want to check out or you can check out any number of my other ones um i've got a couple of chats with my friend wayne who is also an author as well as being a paleontologist um 
And so if you go back in the back catalogue, I can't remember exactly when that is, and I really should have looked, so I do apologise. Uh, I think it's around the 20s that I spoke with Wayne about his book. So if you're interested in sort of um, stories and books and novelists and things like that, make sure you go check that out too. Um, also, on my YouTube channel, um, barely anyone listens on YouTube and that's fine, but I organise them into playlists of genre. So if anyone kind of wants to listen to some of the back catalogue but isn't really sure where to start, you can go on there. I've put it into topics. I think there's like science, uh, fellow podcasters, political things, religion, funny comedic ones, uh, and a few other genres and things. So that's always a good place to check if you're sort of unsure where you want to go, but you kind of know what you fancy listening to. I think that's it from me, really, guys. There's not much else to add. I am off to Amsterdam tomorrow for five days with my lovely girlfriend. So if you're at all interested in my life um, or anything to do with me, uh, then be sure to follow genuine underscore chit chat at Instagram or rather on Instagram because that's where I'll be posting some things over the days I'm there and probably the weeks, including on my story, which I've only really started doing recently. So... Yeah, I think if you're listening as soon as this has come out and you've somehow managed to get to the end within 24 hours, then kudos to you. And you don't if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can see that I've had uh, crumpets today with Easter in Easter bunny shapes. You know, that's the kind of level of excitement that I am offering on my Instagram page. So, you know, not to toot my horn, not to say that I can compete with The Rock or with Joe Rogan or anything, but bunny-shaped crumpets, that's pretty fucking special. I will say that. Anyway, guys, Thanks as always for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you and I'll talk to you all next week.